when was the last time you went to a dinner party, a restaurant, exercised in a real gym, went to a grocery store without a face cover? Seems like a long time ago, right? We hear you. Schools have been forced to close. Goodbye, smart boards. Hello, online learning. Families on stay-at-home orders have clocked more time together in the last week than in the last decade. A mixed blessing for many of us. Even the Yankees and the Red Sox have deserted their ballparks, leaving dugouts and stands as empty as office buildings. And they're calling this the new normal? Hello, everyone. It's Matthew DeMello, your host of The Fiona Show, cross-border solutions weekly transfer pricing podcast and today we're talking about what that new normal means for transfer pricing supply chains are not exactly immune to the virus and could that throw off your comparables your business projections your profit and loss allocation yes yes and yes no need to race into panic mode a gear we're all very familiar with lately we're here to offer transfer pricing strategies for the coronavirus and by we I mean, this all-star lineup, Cross-Border Solutions Chief Economist Mimi Song, Chief Revenue Officer Christy McDonald, and can I get a drum roll, please? No? Okay, well, I tried. Cross-Border Solutions Co-Founder and Chief Operating Officer David Bukovac. Welcome, everyone. It's great to have you all back on The Fiona Show. As for you listeners, remember, you can earn CPE credits for listening to this podcast. We're planting three code words in this episode. Listen for the code words and send all three to all one word, the Fiona show at xbs.ai with your CPE credits. Before we get started, let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. The European Commission doesn't budge easily, but even this mighty group has to give a little in the face of a global pandemic. Thanks to the challenges brought on by COVID-19, the Commission has decided to postpone Doc 6 reporting requirements from July 1st, 2020 to October 1st. 2020. The directive is a new reporting requirement for intermediaries doing cross-border business with EU states if the transactions meet certain hallmarks. The launch isn't the only date to move. Historical reportable arrangements deadlines move from August 31st, 2020 to November 30th, 2020, and the first exchange of information gets pushed back to January 31st, 2021 from October 31st, 2020. Will the extra time help? Maybe, maybe not. That's why the European Commission also included a proposal to extend these dates by another three months if necessary. Though it's only five months later, December 2019 may seem like an entirely different world than the one you're living in today. And I'm not talking about the change in seasons. Remember when people traveled without face masks and kids actually learned in schools? Those were the days, except maybe not for Germany's finance ministry, who proposed what were apparently ambiguous changes to transfer pricing rules. In fact, the federal cabinet was supposed to vote on them on December 18th, but instead has responded with 18 questions about the amendments. The Ministry of Finance addressed them at a public hearing on April 23rd, sort of, at the very least. The ministry made a few points clear. Point number one, while there is a preference for the price setting approach, the new amendments are not meant to force taxpayers to apply it. Point number two, the new rules may have been intentionally vague on how to apply the OECD's DEMPA concept on intangibles. At least it seems that way because the Ministry of Finance had a chance to clear up the confusion, but didn't. It was also noted that the draft rules were presented only a week before the scheduled vote, leaving only three days for public comment. 
So while the amendments may remain unclear, one thing's for sure, the Ministry of Finance still has some explaining to do. You've probably heard about Brazil's attempts to align its transfer pricing rules more with the OECD, while the country's recent digital tax proposal sure seems like a departure from that. The proposal is to create a progressive digital tax, which has been dubbed the CIDE or C-I-D-E tax, and it would apply to revenue from online advertising and sales to Brazilian-based users. The tax would apply to multinational groups with revenues of more than 600 million US dollars and gross revenue in Brazil of more than 20 million dollars. If passed, the tax goes into effect in 2021 and 1% would be applied on amounts up to 30 million dollars, 3% on amounts exceeding 30 to 60 million dollars and 5% on amounts exceeding 60 million dollars. The proposal is still with Brazil's House of Representatives. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You you know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of Cross Border Solutions Transfer Pricing Technology today at xbs.ai slash tp. That's xbs.ai slash tp. And before we get into transfer pricing, since we're talking COVID-19 today anyway, and since we have Cross Border Solutions Chief Revenue Officer Christy McDonald here with us today, who's actually up near either it's it's Poughkeepsie or Kingston, New York. Either way, upstate New York is just north of wherever you are in New York State, which we've kind of discovered today. Uh, I'm in Peekskill. You're even upstate from me. What are things looking like there in terms of the COVID-19 response? It's, it's Kingston. It's in between, really, Kingston and New Paltz. But um, you know, it, it's not the same panic and overcrowding that we see in the city. You go to the supermarket, everything is pretty chill. I know some of my friends in the city are waiting online because they are counting how many people are in the store at any given time. But in Ulster County, where I am, I think there's less than a thousand cases. It's been very slow to spread. I think, um, you know, they instituted stay at home measures very early on. And so, you know, I, I've been lucky to be up here uh, away from the, the the epicenter of the coronavirus in New York City. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm not too far away from you in peak skill, and it, that very much matches the tenor uh, of the day in and day out. But even looking at our subject today, coronavirus and transfer pricing, how can we best characterize the impact of COVID-19 to multinationals? 
I, well, I think that there are are upside impacts and there are downside impacts, right? And then everyone's probably thinking, like, really, some upside impacts to the COVID nineteen. So I'll talk a little bit about uh, upside in a second, but uh, maybe David or Christy, do you want to talk a little bit about what what's the downside of COVID nineteen impact to multinationals and what what have been we've been hearing? Oh well, hey, to, to the downsides are immense, right? I mean, who can you could throw a stone and, and hit a downside, right? Um, disruption, uncertainty, no one knows what's going on. You can't travel. You can't manage your business. Everybody's working in a place that they didn't work for before. They didn't work in before. Uh, I mean, let's it, the, the number of downsides is is massive, right? Um, not to mention the impacts to the supply chain, getting goods from one place to the other. I mean, if you're manufacturing anywhere other than where you're selling, it's a problem. So there's a whole big, there's a whole huge number of these things and everybody's trying to get through as much as they can. I think the one big thing that every business is dealing with, and it's a chain reaction, is cash, right? Cash, because with uncertainty comes the, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. Hoard the cash preserve your position and if every company does that nobody pays anybody and everything grinds to a halt and we've seen some of that uh and we saw some of that much earlier i think now that's starting to loosen up a little bit i don't know christy what do you think i think that things are definitely starting to relax a bit early on from a sales perspective in march and april I think we saw everybody in reactionary mode. Everyone was fixated on watching the updates on the stock market. They were looking internally at their own organizations. And in, in almost all cases, many organizations were hitting a pause on spend period, to your point, Dave. Um, any new contracts, almost as if, you know, is, is our business going to go on post-COVID? Um, and I think- And we, some didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've seen towards the end of, of April and certainly more so now in May, people getting used to the fact that, okay, as, as, a, as a global community, COVID-19 has affected us, but we're starting to piece together how to move forward with internal plans. We've seen some companies furlough employees, reduce you know, their work week. We've seen the the spend be be reduced with consultancy. Certainly, that's been great for us as as a as a technology solution. But I think people are now trending towards we're going to make it out of this. And how do we maximize our relationships and our vendors while reducing spend but getting everything that we need in place? Because next year is really going to be about figuring out the strategy of of creating the narrative around what happened to their business during this pandemic. Yeah, well, I mean, looking at the other side of things, right? There, There is a bright side to COVID-19. And I don't want to be ostracized for saying that. But the bright side here is that, you know, in times of crisis, companies begin to innovate more, right? There's got to be innovation arising out of, you know, crisis situations where, People learn to operate from home more effectively, perhaps telecommuting. There, there could be innovation with respect to telecommuting or operating in the digital economy. Um, there could be increased demand in some some particular types of uh, products for toilet paper, for example. Right? I think they've been doing pretty well these days. 
considering that toilet paper has become a, a, a hot commodity item. Uh, by the way, I have a, a full summer's worth of supply if anyone needs it. So, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Mimi. <laughs> I, I, I like to share. And then, and then last but not least, actually, some companies, it, right, you, it's something to think about really from a multinational perspective is that there could be lower IP valuations. And this is just important in the context of, you know, calculating exit taxes to the extent that a company wants to relocate it out of one jurisdiction versus another. So there are opportunities for multinationals who are trying to figure out how to navigate in this COVID environment um, to be able to examine their business in, in much more holistically and, and look for opportunities or the silver lining in, in this deep, dark time. So. And just to interrupt really quickly here with our first CPE code word, that word is vaccine, as in someone hurry up and create a vaccine stat. Uh, not the first recession, of course, that cross border has ever seen, not even the first one in recent memory. Uh, I think we can all agree. What would we say makes COVID-19 so unique from a historical perspective on global recessions? Well, Matt, one of the things I think that makes this impact unique is that not every industry has been impacted equally. In most recessions, uh, you know, uh, lowering tides, lower all boats, just like rising tides, raise all boats. Uh, and, um, you know, but, but in this instance, I mean, a lot of industries have gotten hit really, really, really hard. Some industries are staying the course. And some industries are actually doing a little bit better. Uh, you know, Netflix is one of those. Uh, and uh, travel industries and travel and entertainment and restaurants and, uh, are, are getting killed. Uh, so, but there is a, there is, is global disruption. I mean, disruption is, is absolutely in every part of the world is, at this point. And this recession has hit everywhere. And, you know, likening to like the, you know, the, um, the, the, the Great Depression, even the you know the last recession in 2007 2008 was far reaching but not like the the great depression or like this this recession uh, with so many people out of work uh, and um, and even even though after those rifts and people lost their jobs in so many industries and so many places earnings will be down and one of the big things I think that's going to happen here is that tax revenue is going to be down. And I can tell you that someone's going to pay for it somewhere. And it ain't, it's probably not going to be the voting taxpayer. It's probably going to be multinationals. And when this is all over, uh, I think you're going to see multinationals take a bigger hit on um, truing things up when the smoke clears. I feel like, David, to, to your point, this is a global pandemic. And so I, for, for me personally, um, it's, it's the first pandemic I've ever seen. And I, you know, I, I don't know how, to, how it's going to have an impact um, uh, to, to multinationals. I can't predict that. It's, it's very sort of unpredictable. But at the same time, I, I guess I feel a little bit better in that, you know, we're all in this together, right? But it is pretty unique from that regard. In how we think of, you know, the global economy, uh, even in the context of a pandemic, what should multinational tax executives be worried about going forward? They need to figure out what, well, everybody's asking me, what should we do about losses, right? And and what do we do under these limited risk distribution arrangements? You know, it doesn't make sense that a, 
an entity continues to earn a routine rate of remuneration when everyone within the entire multinational organization is is bleeding money or is like you know the the company is is tanking so does that continue to make sense because a lot of times when we do these profit based uh, or transfer pricing analyses using a profit based approach it does benchmark the distributor for example and then and you know make sure that their margins I'll fall within a specified range, but given the current environment, it, it's pretty it, it's it's pretty volatile, right? And the market conditions are, are continuously evolving, so it's the I think a lot of tax executives need to be worried about that and and how they're going to treat these COVID nineteen related um, expenses. And just interrupting very quickly to ask Fiona, Fiona, what should tax executives keep in mind about allocating losses? Well, first, Matt, tax executives should be aware that tax authorities will pay special attention to transfer pricing in 2020. Don't forget, governments will have to make up for a lot of lost revenue and transfer pricing is an obvious place to do it. So, what does that mean? It means that you have to be able to show that losses aren't related to transfer pricing. I know you haven't started your 2020 documentation, but take notes on what you can in real time. This is so important, in fact, that I have a built-in feature that encourages you to do that, so notes are right where you need them. But enough about me. As for those routine functions, look at the roles each entity played during COVID-19. Did a routine entity help alleviate COVID-19 consequences? Who should bear the consequences and who should bear the reward? Then look at your transfer pricing policies and see if changes are needed. Remember memories are short, human ones, anyway. Different jurisdictions have have some special treatment provisions from a government perspective that could be considered, right? Like in the Netherlands, the other day, I, I no, it's last week. Last week, Kasker and I were talking how the Netherlands actually accelerated the ability for a multinational to take uh, to uh, forecast the losses and accelerate it for their tax return, which is a it's a, it's a nice benefit to these companies um, that are filing their tax return in the Netherlands 15 months after their year end, right? So there's lots of things that a tax executive can um, be thinking about it in the context of the current pandemic environment. Yeah, I think you know every recession carries different impacts, right? You know, this ages me, but I've been through two recessions uh, since I've been with uh, with cross border solutions, and you know, each one carries with it. A, you know, each one has a different driver and a different impact, and, and tax authorities deal with it in different ways. Um, I think again, I think one of the things that's kind of come out of this is that there is going to be a huge hit to tax revenues as a result of this year, and you're going to see. You're going to because earnings are going to go down, taxes are going to are, are not going to be paid at the same levels as as before, and budgets are there for for countries and budgets are going to be pressed harder. There's going to be there's going to be a lot more expenditure by countries trying to prop up this uh, this this shortfall, and I think multinationals are going to be the ones that end up having to pay for it. So I think one thing you're going to have to watch out for is you know you're you're probably going to be audited. And they're going to look in every nook and cranny and transfer pricing is going to be one of those places where they're going to go look for an adjustment and, and a place to, uh, to raise revenue. And yeah. I think that's going to be part of the, the whole aftershock of this. Yeah. And, and Christy, you and I, have, we've been talking to a lot of prospects on the phone and customers as well. 
uh, just, you know, discussing whether or not transfer pricing is, is a priority given the current environment. But I have to say, I, I've been, I've been explaining to a lot of these customers and prospects that the negotiation of intercompany contracts, the basic premise of transfer pricing is that the, trans, the, the prices charged between related parties is the exact same as unrelated parties. And yet com- companies are focusing on negotiating these vendor contracts or customer contracts, but then they don't concentrate and focus on their related party contracts, right? Right. And I think also a lot of the prospects that we're speaking to right now seem to have a very relaxed feeling because we're, we're starting to see all these tax authorities give additional time for filing and to get their, their returns done, to, to get their documentation done. But I think hindsight is twenty twenty, and a year from now, we could be looking back and, and understanding that part of the reason that they gave that extra extra time was because they themselves were getting ready for all that they had to do to begin those audits and to dig deeper and make sure that, you know, this is a prime time for tax authorities to be combing through, especially, you know, the bigger targets, the, the multi-billion dollar multi, multinational companies, um, you know, really making sure that what they've put into place to illustrate how they've been been impacted in, in 2020 can be, you know, supported through through the documentation, right? So in that context, should COVID-19 losses be treated separately? So, Matt, that is that is still an outstanding question, right? And so the idea right now is that multinationals are recording or should be recording the COVID-19 losses separately until until we all sort of look back at the current year and figure out, okay, exactly how should these expenses be treated? They are, in fact, extraordinary expenses, not really part of the daily operations. It impacts the daily operations as it exists today. But it's not an expected expense. It's not a forecasted expenditures, right? And so there is this idea at least to capture those expenses separately. And then we'll have to figure out how those expenses should be recorded or treated for transfer pricing purposes. And part of that's also going to go to the negotiation of the intercompany contracts. If if the contractual terms are, are revisited and, and renegotiated such that these extraordinary expenses um, should be shared. So it's all a little bit circular, to be honest. Let's even take a step back from documentation. What about comparables? What what should uh, folks out there be thinking about right now? Try to answer that. I mean, yeah. I I think from a, from a comparables perspective, you, you really have to be able to, to pay particular attention to what's happening right now and finding comparables that have uh, that really reflect what your business looks like this year especially if you've taken if you've made changes to the way your business is being run right now in response to this crisis then your business may look a little bit different this year than it looked last year and just refreshing that comparable set that you had last year might not get you to where you you want to be or need to be uh, it also may not sustain or, or document uh, or back up your story. Well, a lot of this is going to be a timing issue. Comparables with 
COVID impact are not available today, right? And, and then that's the bottom line is the comparables that a company uses today are reflective of a time in a pre-COVID when a business is sort of on a routine basis, um, you know, it's sort of in a, in a steady, steady state. So there could be lots of ways that companies think about comparables. They could perhaps go to see whether or not comparable returns for recessionary periods, right? The last recession in 2007, 2008, if we looked at 2009 data and, and, and evaluated what that impact would be, but, and then sort of built out these forecasted financials for the 20 for 2020 to figure out, okay, well, you know, can we get a, can we get an understanding of what that impact looks like and how it could affect the margins? But the bottom line here, I think, is that benchmarking even today is important because you need to understand what the baseline looks like today to, to see what the impact of COVID is tomorrow, right? Because it could be very reasonable for the tested party to incur losses or for all of the third party comparables perhaps to be in a loss making situation. You know, even if a company, a comparable company in 2019 went out of business, that, that the notion of that is it's, it's this idea of survival bias. But like that is actually pretty important. And that's why even 2019 benchmarking, even though it's on a pre-COVID state, right? is still important for understanding the implications of the post-COVID state. I think also an important aspect of your comparable set at this point, or your comparable sets at, at, at this point for this year, are going to be that you have the comparables uh, that the, the tax authorities are going to be looking for in each particular jurisdiction. Going into this, as we said before, you're going to have a lot of tax authorities looking at documentation, looking at transfer pricing, doing audits. And you want to have the tightest story you possibly can so that if there's an option to move to someone who hasn't documented things that, as well as you have, then they're going to go there rather than to focus on you where your comparables might not be uh, as defensible. Uh, very, very importantly are that you have localized comparables as much as possible. Look at what the regulations are requiring, uh, what the countries and the, the tax authorities and countries are requiring in any given uh, for your documentation and make sure that you're adhering to that because uh, if you're not then that just leaves you exposed and fiona do you have anything to add about how covid19 can affect benchmarking of course i do matt first they're right all of them you should always start with giving the tax authorities the benchmarks they request most likely local comparables, as transfer pricing requirements are so hyperlocalized now. In times like these, comparisons over multiple years is useful in addition to looking at other ratios, historical costs, or anticipated forecasts. The other thing I want to highlight too is that, you know, I had mentioned the upside of, of the COVID-19 environment is innovation. And so as a result of innovation, some of these business structures that exist today could evolve, right? And so... Uh, changes in this evolutionary business structure environment, biz new business models that could come out, that could ultimately have an impact to the functional characterization of the tested party with whom you need to, you know, benchmark the profitability. So those types of implications and being able to craft that 
narrative that naturally exposes the evolution of your business is a way to help you as an organization reduce your risk of a potential you know, transfer pricing challenge or adjustment. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. In which case, it's time for our second CPE code word. The word is inside, as in many of us have been spending a lot of time inside lately. That makes a lot of sense, though. Uh, all at the same time, I can tell you from interviewing, you know, folks from across transfer pricing, also uh, conversations on and off podcasts. I can tell you that there are transfer pricing professionals out there who are in May 2020 and not thinking of how they're going to be documenting this yet. Obviously, we've everybody's had a lot of headaches recently, COVID-19 and otherwise. Um, but can anybody kind of provide a just a way to think about maybe even the next couple of months, even with the lack of predictability that we have, just as far as keeping track of your documentation, things you want to be thinking about going into the 2020 tax season and beyond? Well, one thing I might say is to make sure you look at every jurisdiction you're in, the risk profile uh, that you might be thinking of prior to COVID might be vastly different post-COVID, uh, especially if you're in if you're in countries that have been hit harder uh, than others. A lot of countries that are particularly dependent upon tourism, you know, states and, and countries that are dependent on tourism, might be getting hit hard. That means they're going to be looking for tax revenue, uh, you know, harder than they might have before, and you know, make sure that you're covered. Uh, you know, I, we always say that you should have every country everywhere covered that, you know, you shouldn't have to make that choice of, uh, where you're going to have coverage. If you need to be in compliance somewhere, you should be in compliance, uh, especially now more than ever. I think that's, uh, that's absolutely critical. Take a look at, you know, where you have regulations, where transfer prices, prices need to be, um, documented and make sure you have documentation. Yeah, actually, one thing that 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 really is something to think about, too, is because of the stay at home order, no one's allowed to travel, which means uh, executives are not allowed to travel. It, it potentially could impact or or it, it could impact the argument about the substance associated with management services being allocated to all of the foreign offices. If that, you know, if that executive is not actually physically on site there really could it be uh could could it be argued that 
there is no substance to the level of support being provided by that executive anymore or you know what are what was their level of involvement during the stay at home order when they're not able to travel and and you know visit that manufacturing facility for example to make sure that everything's in line with the specifications that were discussed at the board meeting or things of that nature right so that's that's something to think about because in certain countries that level of substantiation is necessary. Yeah, and make sure that you have your story straight and it's consistent. There are lots of impacts all over the world in different ways in different places. Uh, different countries are reacting in different ways. And just like there are lots of different documentation requirements in every country, there are going to be that many different ways that they're going to be looking at your transfer prices uh, after COVID. And so make sure that uh, if you, that, that, what, that the story that you're telling is consistent across all of your documentation. Because remember folks, tax authorities share information. They can all see what you've given everybody else. And as soon as they see uh, inconsistencies and discrepancies, that's exactly where they're gonna hone in on. So make sure your story's straight, it's consistent, cohesive, and it holds together across the entire uh, organization. Yeah, and, and Dave, to your point, a lot of the companies we speak to often tell us that they're taking a risk-based approach or a reactive approach. And, and certainly now there's risk everywhere, right? Now is the time to, to move from reactive to proactive and make sure that you're getting ahead of what's to come. And, and, and to your point, understanding the country's specific risk and, and getting the documentation into place so that you can be ahead of the game next year when, when things really start to take on greater momentum. The idea of documentation is that the timing of the events, right, is, is important here because if you document things based on when those things occurred, then you're going to have the most up-to-date information or the most relevant information um, that's, that's, that you can get. Right. But if you wait until everything's over and you and you don't have this documentation or audit trail, per se, that records on a real time basis what the challenges you're facing are, then you have to rely on your memory about if when, what types of decisions were made and, and when those decisions were made. I actually I have a pretty funny analogy. <laughs> to this situation and I, I'm calling it like a mother's forgetfulness right so you know women have to go through birth right but if if you've ever been through the process it's it's actually pretty pretty exhausting painful you know it it it, it sucks the life out of you to be honest but you don't remember that after the fact right because right. if women were to remember the trauma that they went through the first time, they would never have children again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think I think about it in those terms sometimes about, OK, if you really want to understand exactly what decisions are being made in this time of catastrophe, you're going to need to document it right now or you will for sure forget, right, when when everything comes back to the state of normalcy, if you will. As the great songwriter Cat Stevens once wrote, the first cut is the deepest. And <laughs> once you get over that first hurdle, it, it, things at least get easier. 
So I just want to underscore that that point with this really quickly. Uh, so in the last few years, transfer pricing regulations have become hyper localized. Um, just off the bat, what should multinationals be aware of in terms of localization to reduce the risk of adjustment? Um, I, I think primarily it should just be understanding the timing of your response in each jurisdiction. I, I think there's so much going on right now, too, uh, internally that you need to, to make note of the decisions that you're making from a business perspective and, and what went into those decisions so that when, come the end of the year when you've got to compile that information, everything is kind of there, jotted down in, in, in the steps that you took to deal with the impact. But um, looking to see what each country has done in, in the way of providing additional relief, um, maybe relaxing some of their deadlines, you know, really making sure that you're in alignment in, in each one of those uh, jurisdictions where you operate. Yeah, and, and to the point of localization, right, the, the idea of having local comparables is actually the easiest way to control for any sort of market comparability issues. Even in this pandemic environment, I think jurisdictions are going to be impacted differently. And so being able to control, at least for that particular uh, factor that impacts profitability, is, is a good, you know, is ideal, right? Um, the other side of this, once again, I mean, if we think about the upside and, and the potential possibility of innovation and changes in the business models and structures and, and new, new formulas that are being development, developed and, and the cure for COVID coming out, right? I think companies will have to be mindful that the development of intellectual property or intangible property could create challenges in the future once we're out of the COVID environment. Uh, and, and to be able to make sure that they're proactively managing the, the way that they want that intangible to be um, handled from a transfer pricing perspective needs to be at the top of mind so that it doesn't create challenges later on when that COVID cure, for example, uh, brings a tremendous amount of profitability to the organization, right? Right, right, right. And I think that underscores just the basic step you can take immediately after this podcast is over, which is securing supporting documents related to pre-COVID budgets versus post-COVID budgets, which then can further validate the business decisions and for changes to TP policies among them better document, especially uh, IP and, and other forms of intangibles. Uh, but just diving into scrutiny, do you expect tax authorities to look at 2020 documentation, especially closely, carefully? Uh, it will be easy to find questionable points, even when every company has the same story to tell. And we know that story. It's the story of COVID. Matt, tax authorities are absolutely going to be looking at 2020 very, very closely. Anytime there's uncertainty like this and anytime there's a, there's a disruption, we all know, they know that uh, it, it's going to be hard to keep things straight. And it's also a time when if things can be fudged or, or might be fudged, they, they will be fudged. They're going to be looking for this stuff. Not to say that anybody does that, uh, you know, or would do that, but they're going to be, they're gonna be looking for it. You know, there are, there are times when that happens and they are definitely going to be looking for it. Mistakes can get made. Things can get overlooked. And they are going to be looking for uh, ways to raise uh, to raise money, but it's not just going to be 2020. Right now, they're 
very, very likely to start looking at any open years that they can look at. They might not have been expecting to look at them in a normal cycle, but now that this has eroded the tax base, they're going to start looking at prior years that are open when they, they, when they wouldn't have otherwise. So everybody probably needs to get uh, as tight a documentation set as possible. Let me open this next question up to everyone. What advice do you have, bottom line advice for all the things we've been talking about today, do you have for clients given transfer pricing in COVID-19? Do your documentation everywhere in accordance with what each tax authority wants to see. I think you have to be uh, an absolutely the most responsible steward of your business uh, in, in every respect. Uh, transfer pricing, uh, you know, whatever it is, whether you're going through a tough time in terms of uh, demand for your product or service, uh, whether there's a boon that uh, you, you're a good steward of your business, stay in compliance uh, with with your tax regulations, uh, steward your business, the, the you know, run your business the best you can, and uh, make sure that uh, you have everything in order because when the tax authority does come knocking and looking for all of that revenue that they lost, uh, you're going to be the safest. Yeah, and to underscore those two points, I think uh, I think my last advice is once again treat treat related party transactions similar to how you treat unrelated party transactions. If you're negotiating third party contracts, you you need to be negotiating your related party contracts. I think. There shouldn't be any uh, deprioritization of related party contracts just because it's your related party. I think that could open a, that could open up a lot of questions. Another house cleaning task that's very popular to mention on our podcast is basically just having those intercompany agreements right off the bat. I know that is a, a, a huge uh, issue for a lot of companies out there that don't keep track. And that's, that's of course, a, a major red flag uh, for tax authorities. Um, but just to underscore even one final point, uh, how important would everybody describe real-time note-taking, uh, even for those who might feel a little bit overwhelmed right now? Why should that make the priority list? Like seeing what's going on now and documenting it, like how a stay-at-home order affects your manufacturing in China, for instance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It goes to my point of like everyone has a short-term memory, especially memories as it relates to um, traumatic events, right? It's, it's, uh, it is really important to have that documentation for your future defense files, even for your transfer pricing documentation, just to understand, you know, what those business implications are um, and, and how, why those decisions were made, right? Taking notes real time is absolutely critical in a period like this. In a normal time when a change is made and it gets implemented and it happens, uh, you might remember it, I, you know, it's part of your fabric now. But in a time like this where change is happening so quickly and what you're doing today isn't what you're doing in a week and what you're doing in a week isn't what you're doing in a month and it's not what you were doing three months ago, uh, those changes need to be documented. You need to know what your business went through and it can't just be sort of a, uh, we were here, now we're here. All that stuff that happened in between is going to be impactful. So keeping notes real time, 
uh, documenting all that is incredibly important. It's absolutely critical. We might appropriate a a slow uh, a, a word of advice. I know that is popular in the FBI, which is that if you didn't write it down, it didn't happen. Um, but in transfer pricing, if you didn't write it down, it can't save you in an audit process. Uh, one last interruption for everyone. I promise our third CPE code word is restaurants, as in I miss eating out in restaurants. And with that, I think we've had a fascinating discussion. The big takeaway, be proactive about your transfer pricing and document things now, even though you may not need them for a long time or until long afterwards, like social distancing and and 95 masks have left your everyday vocabulary. Never hurts to be one step ahead of the game right and speaking of games we do have time for what we want to know here we put one transfer pricing expert in the hot seat david bukovac that's you today for a rapid fire round of questions here we go david what has been the most challenging part of stay at home for you during the covid19 crisis managing a business parenting at the same time that is incredibly, incredibly challenging. And what have you found to be a surprising upside to being quarantined? Uh, the surprising side of being quarantined is that you know most companies or most most families have said that this is very, very difficult to deal with, and it's incredibly difficult to deal with. But I think it's also I've seen it bring families together even more, which is really, really cool. Uh, if they make it through this crisis, uh, they they come out the other side stronger. And I'm starting to see that with some of uh, some of my friends and colleagues. What mistakes do you see multinational companies make with their transfer pricing again and again? Not documenting it. I see companies not documenting their transfer pricing again and again because they're taking a risk-based approach and they think, well, my biggest risks are my biggest transactions in the biggest markets. And then they get hit with an audit somewhere and it's a scramble and they spend a lot more money in the audit and trying to figure it out real time uh, than they would have otherwise. A colleague calls you super smart. Another calls you super hardworking. Whichever one you like more, that's the one I said. Which one means more to you and why? Well, Matt, I would have to say uh, I would have to choose hardworking. You know, my father taught me that uh, anything worth having is worth working hard for. And I have always had this thing about hard work and persistence and never giving up. And, uh, and, and I think that kind of work ethic has always driven me to, be, uh, to get to where I am now and uh, where I'm right now working with a lot of colleagues that I, that I really enjoy running a business that I love uh, has been incredibly rewarding. And I think it's come from hard work. Success is defined in different ways for different people. What's your definition? Ooh, Matt, that's a tough one. You know, uh, success is different for everyone, right? And and I think it's also different for me. It's been different for me at different points uh, of time in my life. I think what success is for me now is uh, providing for my family, uh, having a, a happy, um, a happy, uh, having a happy family, and having a happy work life, and balancing those uh, to the degree that I can be happy in both of those, and, and everyone around me enjoys what we're doing. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. 
Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. Well, folks, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, it's been a pleasure. Don't let this be our last encounter. Subscribe to The Fiona Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we'll fill you in on transfer pricing topics and strategies every week. And don't forget about our sister podcast, The Fiona Show Hot Off the Press, where we will fill you in on transfer pricing in the news every week. I mean, an occasional break from coronavirus news is a good thing. I'm Matthew DeMello. I host, edit, and engineer this podcast. Our executive producer, Marilyn Mitchum-Strom, writes our scripts. Join us again next week for more in-depth transfer pricing discussion. Until then, stay inside, keep, the ha- keep up the hand-washing, and be well. <laughs>